Hello and welcome to QAV episode 504. My name is Cameron Riley. I shall be your pilot, your captain on this journey. If you're brand new to the show, uh, welcome. I'll just explain a little bit about what you're going to be listening to. If you've listened to us before, skip ahead a minute. Skip the preamble. Um, this is a show about investing that I do with my mate Tony Kynston. Tony's a very successful investor in Sydney. He's been around, well, been investing uh, for 30 years, and he has a methodology, a system that he calls QAV, quality at value. How do you buy shares in quality companies, but buy them at the right value, buy them when they're on discount? Uh, when they're undervalued. Um, And we teach that methodology on this podcast. Now, we do have episodes where we talk about his background and and the system, the checklist that we use. If you want to hear that, go listen to episodes 301, 303 or 305. You'll find them uh, prominently on our website. You can also look in your podcast app uh, or whatever if you want to listen to those. The one you're going to listen to today is just basically a QA. and a We talk a little bit about what's going on in the news at the moment, then we're answering questions from a lot of our subscribers. Um, uh, coming up on the show this week, it's a jam-packed show. Uh, losing money is one thing. Losing your nerve is everything, as Tony says. Iron whore, iron ore, iron ore, iron ore hits $150 a tonne. Talking about CCP's results, which are out, and the stock price was up 7% over two days. ASX 200 is down 6.3% for January, and we uh, look at our portfolio performance compared to that. Uh, we talk about how to calculate the gold price. Uh, Tony does a drill down in our stock of the week, WLD. Talk about the hostile takeover of IMA, investing during reporting season, the Fed put, and the impact that may have on the markets. Rebuying recent sales, fudging three PTL sales, Josephine charts, A-grade companies aren't necessarily A-grade stocks or investments. Concentrating portfolio when there's nothing to buy, using leaps, trading holds, copper companies churning out cash, three PTLs for WAF, BHP's demerged, rule number one and whether or not it should be applied to a holding as a whole i.e. the average price, or just to individual parcels. That's what we're getting into today. It's a 90-minute show. Well, the club version is, so there's a free version and a club version. Right now, you're listening to the free version, which goes for about half an hour. For our subscribers, our club members, they get the full hour and a half version, but I'll explain more of that at the end of the show. Um, I don't have anything else to tell you. Let's get into it. to Bird Noises by uh, Midnight Oil. <laughs> Great album. Uh, back on the when the generals line. talk, you better <laughs> listen to him. I don't know if that was on that album. No, it's much later. Oh, okay. How are you, TK? I'm good. Bird Noises was back on the borderline. I'm back on the borderline. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. No, I'm great. Really good. That's good. Still down at Cape Shank. Still at Cape Shank, still lots of birds. I think what's happened, we had a moth infestation here over the last week. Somehow they, they built some kind of nest in our back door. And it's been interesting in the mornings watching the, the bees and the birds and the moths fight. And then in the evenings, the birds come around and try and eat the moths. So that's probably why there's birds hanging around at the moment. You should be doing that in a David Attenborough voice. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the moths are eating the bees. I think the uh, the the title of this episode is uh, "Don't Panic and Carry a Towel." I think that's my motto for this week. <laughs> yeah, a bit of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, so good. It's been another one of those weeks. 
out there. Market has uh, Mr. Market has not been happy, not taking his meds recently. <laughs> exactly. And I was reminded of a saying that um, I once came across in the punting community. If you lose money, that's one thing, but losing your nerve is everything. So I've been, <laughs> been reminded of that this week. I was thinking about this. I was just cooking some lunch before we started recording, and I was just thinking about, like I've had the Rule 1 and 3PTL, some stocks in my portfolio, mm-hmm. but and I was just thinking about the fact that I, I really don't give a shit. Yeah. Like I, I've, <laughs> I have not, like I, I've seen people, and look, the people on the QAV Club forum keeping up a good sense of humour, and they seem to be uh, handling the correction robustly, which is great, but... I see people talking about, oh, this is down, I lost that and this and that. And, like, I mean, I don't know if this if um, this is wrong, but I'm not paying attention to how much I'm losing or how much I'm missing. Like I've, I, like, I've got to a point where it's just like cutting my nails if I have to sell something. Like, you know, I know it's going to grow back. I'm not measuring how long the nail was. I'm just like, oh, that one goes, that one goes, that one goes. I don't have time. I don't have time to worry about the, the numbers. I'm just like cut, 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 add, 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 and it'll all work out in the long run. Is, is that your mindset, Sifu? It is. It is my mindset, and it's, and it's still painful. I mean, you know, I had a conversation with my wife this morning and said, you know, we're down X millions of dollars because of the <laughs> correction. And she was like, So you are yeah. paying attention. She was like, yeah, that's okay. We'll get it back. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just just like, I had to let you know, so full transparency. <laughs> In case you were wondering. <laughs> she didn't throw herself uh, off the cloud tower balcony. <laughs> no, no. So she was she was very good about it Didn't and had the same response that we both do, which is, okay, well, that's what happens in the market. It'll come back. Yeah, I said to Chrissy that we were down millions of dollars and she just <laughs> laughed at me, so... <laughs> <laughs> Good problem to have. We wish one day, one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's just, I guess my point is just that, uh, you know, I know, I just, it doesn't matter. Like the, this is the first correction. Like I wasn't really heavily invested back when we went through the COVID cough. Now I'm heavily, I'm fully invested with everything I have. So it's the first correction I've traded through, but I just, it doesn't matter. Because I know it's just, it's a blip, you know, it'll be back. When it'll be back, when it'll, it might be a month, might be six months, might be two years. It doesn't really matter in the long scheme of things. Like, it'll be back and it'll be bigger and better. And I like that chart that you posted on Facebook about the last, what, 100 years of crises that the market's had. <laughs> yeah, because that graph goes from bottom left to top right and uh, it has blips along the way and the blips are – substantial when you're there because the, the end of the chart in time is always going to wag, always going to oscillate a lot more because the price is higher than previous ones. But yeah, so like some of those corrections were in the order of 25, 35%, 50% for the GFC, but it just rebounded and kept marching upwards. I mean, I know that you said in the GFC, it, it took the index 10 years to get back to where it was, right? Yeah, something like that. But um, if you're actively investing and following a system like QAV, you would probably get back to where you were a lot faster than looking at the overall index. Oh, well, I mean, I think I've said before on the show that 2009, that company reporting season right about now was just a bonanza. I tripled my money in the six months following that because there was just so many bargains around. I mean, number one, during the GFC, 
a lot of companies, even maybe the majority of companies, took the opportunity to recapitalize. So they all went to the market and said, yeah, GFC's hurting us. Just to be safe, we're going to build a, a buffer on our balance sheet and we'll sell some more shares. And there were some bargains in that. But then you had really strong, financially strong companies coming out of the GFC. And, uh, you know, it was eventually cleaned up. And, you know, the GFC was difficult to go through, but it centered around what they call them, the, the jingle loans in the in the US, you know, the, the people were turning their keys rather than paying their mortgages. And then all the, then we found out how interconnected the banking system was. But after sort of 18 months of that all washing through and recapitalizing balance sheets, the market was in a great position, but it was heavily discounted. It was 50% off its highs or off its 2007 high going into the GFC. So it wasn't hard to make money in that situation. So all of the gnashing of teeth and the renting of garments that's going on out there in the media with market stuff is just, I don't know, it's just noise. I mean, noise. I guess it is. It matters if you're a fund manager or somebody who lives and dies on your performance numbers and you get bonuses based on performance and, and journalists, obviously, who need something to talk about. And, you know, I'm sure it has real impacts for businesses in some way, shape or form and their ability to raise capital or probably the way how much money their executives get paid. But for those of us that are in it, just investors, it um, I mean, if, if, if you <laughs> planned on doing something, if you planned on cashing out in the next six months, taking your cash and doing something with it, then I can understand it might be a little bit dramatic. But if you're in it for the next 10, 20 years, then doesn't matter. It's just another day, right? Yeah. I mean, I think probably the only people who really get affected by a long-term downtrend are people who are just about to retire. And then they might have to retire with a lower super balance or something like that and readjust their plans. And, you know, my recommendation to them would be try to stay fully invested for as long as you can, even after you start retirement. Tighten your belt. If you have to touch your capital, be frugal with that because it will rebound back to where it was when you planned to retire. So, yeah, and you hit it on the head with the journalists and I guess some of the fund managers. The old story about if it bleeds, it leads is obvious. And this time there's, all the journalists want to talk about it are, are people who have lost money or people who want to predict the future. I mean, Jeremy Grantham again is out there saying it's going to be a perma bear and the market's 50% overvalued, like he's been saying every second year for the last 20 or 30 years. So he's a broken clock. He's, he's right twice a day and he's built a reputation around that. And there's other people like that who are out there talking about what markets will do, what interest rates will do, what inflation will do. Like they have some kind of crystal ball and they don't. So turn it down, turn down the noise and just concentrate on the process. I read an article this morning about all of the uh, evangelical pastors in the US that were predicting that Trump would be uh, president again in, by the end of 2021, that God was going to intervene <laughs> and how they've all just gone underground now. They're like, what? Uh, what are you talking about? They should join forces with the uh, pundits. End of the year, end of the world people who predict it's gonna, the world's going to end on a certain date and they get up the next day and say, well, I think I got that a little bit out, but it's going to end now in five years' time, not, not yesterday. They would just say, you weren't ready. The yes. It was going to come, but you, you weren't righteous enough. <laughs> it's your fault. I liked um, Andy Borowitz's line. You read Andy Borowitz, on, uh, he's on Facebook for me. I like his line that uh, if Trump claims he won the last election, that means he's into his second term and he can go after two terms. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gold. Let's talk about gold, Tony. 
Yeah, so interesting situation with gold. You pointed out yesterday, which I think is right, that I hadn't taken properly into account the fat, flat bottom for gold in my gold graph. And uh, I've been using, just to fill people in, in Stock Doctor, I think it's XAU underscore from memory. And that's the one that, that we get from, you know, the nightly news or the morning news. It's currently showing $1,797 US per tonne as the price. And I had said a couple of weeks ago that I thought the, the sell price was going to be around sixteen ninety, I think, from memory. So it was about $100 above that. But you pointed out yesterday that there was a flat bottom I hadn't taken into account on the gold price. And I guess the reason why I'd missed that was if you look at the, the graph, it's been going up, except for about the last few months, say last uh, year, it's been going up. So it's kind of an interesting flat bottom, which is tilted upwards on one side. But anyway, the low point is September 2018 price then, the closing price then was $1,191. Second low point is November 18 closing price of 1221 which is within 8%. So we keep going up. And then we have April 2019 closing price 1283 which is about $4 below the 8% line. So that should really have been L1. And then if you use one of the most recent troughs, which is 30th of November 2021, gold has just been become a sell using that line. So on the US dollar basis, it's a sell. So however, I had noticed in the last week or so that the Australian dollar has devalued something like 4% over the last uh, couple of weeks. So it prompted me to look at what the Australian dollar value of gold is and finding a gold price chart for that. And I found one on a, a site called goldprice.com, oh, sorry, .org, one word. And that gives us the Australian gold price in Australian dollars. And I, you can select a five-year chart for that. And if you have a look at that, it's still above its sell line, even though it has been going sideways as well for the last sort of five years. So given that there's been a depreciation in the Australian dollar, our gold producers are still making money, even though the and the gold price is still above a sell, even though in US dollar terms it's not. So I'm inclined to hang on to gold stocks or my gold stocks just for a little bit longer and just see what happens with the Australian chart. Uh, it's not that dissimilar from the US chart, but it is slightly above its, um, its sell line at the moment. So what are the implications of this for all of the commodities that we look at? Because we normally look at them in US dollars, right? Yeah, no, there's the implication is we should be using Australian dollars, I guess, because that's, that's our exporters will benefit from a lower dollar and they'll, they'll hurt more if the Australian dollar rises. So perhaps we should, but I'm not sure we're going to be able to find Australian dollar five year charts for a lot of commodities because, uh, I mean, gold's a fairly big one. Probably could find one for iron ore if I, if I do some Googling, but yeah, I just, I did know that, that there was an Australian dollar one for gold, so I looked up that one. But I guess we should be using Australian dollar ones for all of them if we can find them. I don't understand why there would be any difference because the well, I guess okay, so it's the fluctuation, the arbitrage between the currencies that changes the chart. Is that how it works? You couldn't overlay the AUD chart and the USD chart and end up with the same chart because of the arbitrage between the the currencies. Yeah, I think if you did that, oh, I, could, I have to do some research to try and do that, but you, you could do that and you probably find that the trends are fairly similar because we're only seeing the fluctuations in the Australian dollar and making up the differences really. 
But because the Australian dollar, in particular the US dollar, has been appreciating recently, that does buoy the Australian chart a little bit. And if you have a look at the Australian chart anyway, it's still only about 100 maybe $200 Australian away from a sell. So it's not like it's, you know, it's completely different to the US dollar chart. It is slightly different to it. Well, I sold the gold stocks out of the QAV portfolio, <laughs> and I think I sold them out of my own portfolio too, but... Um, uh, uh, sorry. No, that's all right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, if it hasn't uh, become a sell on the Australian chart you're looking at, the way it's looking on the US dollar chart, it doesn't look... Well, it's kind of going sideways, I guess, at the moment. Yeah, look, I think the fact that gold is going sideways is probably more of the issue, and and it's how long do you hold on to when that's happening. The thing which is kind of, the, I guess, the context that I'm operating in, and I don't necessarily like doing this, but sometimes I'm slow to act, and I think the reason why I'm slow to act with gold is because if interest rates, if inflation takes hold, it's not just temporary, but it's ongoing. If interest rates rise quickly, then gold should too as a a store of funds. I mean, the idea being that if you have $1,000 in the bank and inflation is going at, say, 5 or 10%, then that, that's worth $950 or $900 you know, in a year's time, depending on what inflation does. But if you bought a bar of gold, then it's not going to go down with inflation. You should be able to sell it in a year's time because enough people are, are trying to store their value on that that it keeps the price up. Or Bitcoin. Or Bitcoin, right. <laughs> although Bitcoin, I think, has got lots of other issues at the moment besides, besides. And I think one of the reasons why gold has been going sideways is that some of the money that's looking to hedge inflation has been going into Bitcoin and not into gold. Right. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on gold at the moment. I'm going to hold on for a bit longer. Not that I've got many gold stocks. I think I've only got um, – I've got three, Aurelia Metals, Perseus Mining and West African Resources, and all of those have been going backwards anyway, so maybe I should sell them. But I'm going to hold on a bit and see what happens with the Australian dollar. Gold as a hold. That's the gold uh, as a hold. alternative <laughs> title for this week's episode. <laughs> Let's talk about iron ore. Yeah, I just noticed in the, in the paper last week, iron ore has hit $150 a tonne again. US or Australian? <laughs> Either the US. Oh, I'm sure. what is it in Australia? So it's probably even higher than that in Australian times. Yeah, in terms of it be higher than that. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's just showing you how, what a short-term cycle iron ore has and how much it's it's regained very quickly, which is kind of surprising, but um, completely understandable in these kinds of markets. There's been lots of stories about China and their economy slowing, so the government's pumping money into the economy, which means that there'll be more buildings built and infrastructure built, so that's supporting the iron ore price. But yeah, again, it's all just crystal ball gazing. Who knows? But I just thought it was interesting that it's, it's getting back up again to its highs. Yeah. Which one are you looking at for that? CFR, TIO, TR hash in Stock Doctor? Yeah, that's one. I'll, I'll just have a look. I actually picked up that number from an article. TR hash is what I normally use in Stock Doctor. I was showing, it's saying 130. So maybe I am quoting the Australian dollar number then. Sorry, $131 is the TR hash number. But so it must be Australian. It's up to 150. Okay, good stuff. Iron ore. Oh, CCP results are out. Oh, that's one I haven't sold. I got that one. I've had that for a long time. <laughs> CCP. No, it just it's it's been in my portfolio for a long time too, and it was only ever out of the portfolio I think during the GFC. So it's been a long term hold for me. Uh, yeah, and they do this every year. They um, they're always the first cab off the rank in terms of reporting, which is always a good sign, I think. Fund managers will often say that the later into the cycle of the company reports, the worse the results are because they're, uh, they're trying to uh, delay the inevitable. 
And they're also potentially trying to lose themselves in a lot of reporting, which has to happen before the end of the month. So uh, often I think Stephen Main every year puts out an article about all the companies that dump their results at four o'clock in the afternoon on the last day of February. <laughs> There's always a lot of them and, ha- and they're always or uniformly nearly always uh, bad results. But anyway, yeah, CCP is always, you know, up there and proud coming out first and the share price is up uh, 7% in the last two days. So the report's well received by the market, which is nice. Currently trading at around 35 bucks, bottomed out in the COVID cough at 13. So uh, it's had a good run. Yeah, triple your money if you bought it then. All right. Well, good on you, CCP. That's Credit Corp Group for people who uh, don't know what CCP is. and they. Do really well. And not the Chinese Communist Party, who also do well. Yes. No, their results. <laughs> Did you see the article today that George Soros is tipping that President Xi won't uh, be around for much longer? Oh, really? Uh, what's his uh, theory on that? That once the Winter Olympic Games are finished in Beijing, so is Xi. He's picking up. He said even though it's difficult to um, track the opposition statements because of the press censorship, he's picking up lots of criticism of President Xi through uh, other party officials. Oh, right. They think he'll get uh, thrown out, not retiring? Yes. But, you know, that could just be noise from Soros is trying to influence the market. Who knows? All right. Well, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, just our portfolio versus the market? Yes, please, for January. We're recording this on the 1st of February, so people will be seeing January results in their feeds and in their papers soon. So what do we do? Oh, I sent you an email earlier. Didn't get that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I'll pull it up. Okay, I've got your email. It was, um, I've got us down, yeah, 2.98% versus the market down 6.43. So double double market. <laughs> <laughs> if that's comfort. <laughs> Lucky we didn't drop double the market. Yeah, half the market. This financial year to date... According to Nivexa, we're up 2.45% versus the 200 down 0.53%. So, yeah, that's not a lot of growth for us, but uh, compared to the market, it's pretty good. Yeah, we're outperforming, which is nice. And I think since inception, when I looked at it yesterday, we're still doing sort of three or four times the 200 since inception, which is September 2019 when we were fully invested. So still tracking well on that front as well. Yeah, good. All right. Well, you ready to get into the questions? Do you want to do a pulled pork first? Did you prep for one? I did. I can do a quick one if you like. Yeah, do a quick one so we can get into the q and I guess I was going to say don't bother about it because we've got so many questions, but if you've done it, let's do it. <laughs> All right, very, very quickly. I think there was only one stock that we liked this week. I think there was two that went out in the email, but one was uh, ALG, which uh, is Ardent Leisure Group. And I was looking forward to doing that one as a pulled pork because it's got such a controversial history, but I had a look at it again today. It's a bit of a Josephine. I think even though I think month on month it was flat, but it's come off its highs like everything else has in the last few months. But people might want to be aware of it. It's um, Ardent Leisure Group is at the bottom of our buy list with a QAV of 0.1, but it's just made an appearance for the first time. It's actually not a Josephine today, according to Stock Doctor. Oh. Finished the end of last month at $1.35, and it's $1.36 today. Yeah, right. But I think if you look at the last sort of couple of months, it's down, isn't it? Oh, if you go back to September, it's uh, down, yeah. 
but it's picked. It's turned around. It's picked back up since. Yeah, well, maybe let's have a look at it next week. Maybe that'll be our stock of the week next week. But I did uh, pull Wellard apart, and WLD is the small cap. You pull Wellard? What? <laughs> Paul Wellard. No, pulled Wellard oh, apart. All right. Okay. WLD, which is our small cap stock of the week, and it's very small. ADT's, uh, I think, about eight thousand dollars a day. So that's pretty tiny. We did talk about it once before, and just in a brief potted history of Wellard. It's a live cattle exporter. It did suffer terribly when live export was banned from Australia or well, probably about 10 years ago, but it's, it's been able to rebuild itself. It still does a lot of, of cattle exporting, but it also has an abattoir. It also does other things in that sort of supply chain for, I, I say cattle, but it does also do live sheep and goats and all sorts of livestock overseas as well. Anyway, so it's a, it's a cattle exporter really and, and plays a part in the supply chain once the uh, livestock leaves the farm. So quickly, it's one of the highlights that has happened to it recently is that it just got a $12 million payout after a couple of years of court action and arbitration because uh, it had made payments to a shipbuilder in Serbia which didn't finish the boat. And so it's been trying to collect back on the insurance and back on the payments it made and recently had $12 million awarded to it, which is a big deal for this company. So... I'm assuming that uh, the, the recent upturn in the share price is probably in anticipation of what they do with that cash. But uh, again, small cap stock, it's uh, 11 cents when I did my analysis this morning, 58 million market cap. Stock Doctor isn't reporting a consensus target, but the download is. And in the past, I've been told that that's because they like to see, I think, two or three stockbrokers cover it before they put a consensus target on the front page. But if one stock, one stockbroker covers it, they do put it in the filter. So we do have um, someone covering it and it's just below, sorry, 10% above their target price. It doesn't have a yield, so it doesn't score there. The financial health is what really carries the day for this, this stock. It's both strong and recovering. So it gets extra points for recovering. And I guess the bad financial health would have been when it was battling the live export ban. So that's recovering. Some interesting numbers, low ROE of only 4%, but it does have um, very low price to operating cash flow of four times as well. Interestingly enough, it has a PE of 23, which suggests to me that it's a low margin business, high cash flow, low profit. It doesn't, because we don't have um, the broker's coverage, it doesn't have an IV2. And I actually like that in stocks, even though it's um, this one's way too small for me to invest in. I like to get ahead of the other analysts and ride the stock up in price until it does come on the radar of some of the um, fund managers who might want to cover it. So it's good. No RV2, I said. The net equity per share is about the share price, but less than book plus 30%, so it scores for that. doesn't have very high director holdings, so it doesn't score there. It does have a record low PE, even though it's so high. As at the last results, it was a PE of 16, which was the lowest in six halves, but really there was only PE for three halves. So not too hard to do that, but does score for that. Equity's bouncing around, so it doesn't get an increasing equity score. All up, quality score of 90%, QAB score of 0.22. And the underlying commodity, which I've used um, beef cattle for, has been going up. So it's another positive for this stock. And I know that when I was looking at it yesterday for the newsletter, I noticed that when we talked about it a year or so ago, it had a qualified audit. But I pulled up the latest report and that seems to have gone 
Yes, correct. Because they thanks for that got a ton of cash, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. WLD. By the way, I'm just thinking. Uh, completely unrelated. We need QAV towels. Should be don't panic. <laughs> And carry a QAV towel or just a towel. <laughs> Everyone, when the market's crashing, you just wrap yourself in your QAV towel. And maybe it's one of those ones that abs- that's absorbing, you know, it absorbs all the sweat. Like, a, like a, what do you call it? You, you dry your car A gym off. towel? No, the ones you Oh, a chamois. A chamois. A, chamois. a QAV chamois. When you're sweating, <laughs> correction. <laughs> Well, you're supposed to in the Hitchhiker's Guide. You're supposed to push the, put the towel beside you so you can see how far you moved in the in the shift when you when you get beamed up. But you're also supposed to take two pints of beer as well so that you um, have muscle relaxant before the uh, before the beaming up. <laughs> well, for us, it'd be QAV single malt and yeah. a towel, QAV towel. We'll have to get onto that. Get one of my interns to get onto that. All right, thank you for the WLD, the Paul Wellard uh, Paul Pork. <laughs> from the Clash, Paul Weller from the Clash, right? No, the Jam. The Jam, they aren't they the same band? No. Didn't one come from the other? <laughs> Didn't the Clash turn into the Jam? The Jam turned into the Clash? No. No, no. You sure? No. It wasn't some Clash yep. Jam? Jam Clash? No. Okay. No, they used to compete against each other to see who had the most cred. Oh, right. The shout to the top was that Paul Weller? It was, yeah. Stole Council. Stole Council. Yeah, that's right. That's who it was. The Jam at Stole Council. Yeah. All righty. I'll talk more about 80s uh, rock later on after hours. <laughs> Get into the questions. First one I've got is uh, I've got a couple of old ones that we missed along the way. I apologize. Paul asks, I don't think we've touched upon hostile takeovers before. IMA Image Resources is now in the midst of one with a company owning more than 20% of stock on issue and presumably more through associated entities. He's got Murray Zircon in brackets. Serving a notice to unseat the chair and two directors not already aligned, the notice does not contain any reason for the proposed removal of directors, nor the future direction of the business. The stock is down 13% as of when he posted, send me this, 21st of January. 21? That can't be right. must be 22. After a solid 30% run upwards. Is this a red flag or sell event? Paul asks. No, I think it's the reverse. I, I love when our stocks are takeover targets because it means someone's going to pay a premium to take control. This is a bit like this particular case, not that I know a whole lot about image resources or the argy-bargy that's going on. This is a, a bit like the Maya case where Solomon Lewis has been launching EGM requests to hold me. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have a free episode and a club edition every week. Club edition goes for usually an extra half an hour to an hour, uh, depending on how many questions we have that week from our subscribers. And if you want to check out the club edition and all of the extra stuff that we get, give to our club members, which is the checklist and the getting started guide, and there are video guides and VIP dinners and the ability to ask Tony questions each week and a, and a private Facebook uh, community where we talk about stuff every day. Uh, just go up to our website, QAV Podcast, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to check out all of the stuff that we have for our club members and decide whether or not you think this is something that is right for you. But uh, no pressure on that. Take your time. You can listen to the free episodes each week and the archive of the free episodes Go listen to episode 301, 303, and 305, sort of the uh, intro to Tony and, and the methodology 
Um, the reason there was season three is we did them right at the beginning in season one, but uh, during the early days of COVID, we thought, yeah, we could probably do a better version of those. So we kind of did a reboot and re-recorded them since after we had like a, a year of podcasting together under our belts at that stage. And uh, we, we thought we could probably do a smoother job on articulating that kind of stuff. But you can go right back to a season one and listen to all the early original episodes if you want. Um, that's it. If you have any questions, you can shoot us an email. That's up on our website, QAV Podcast. Otherwise, stay safe. Good luck with your investing. Don't panic. Carry a towel. And uh, we'll be back next week. The QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Thank you.